Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. In this episode, we talk with Derek, Liz, and Karina about what it's like to go public with recovery, what we sometimes like to call recovering out loud. We talk about getting past the fear of judgment so that we can share all of the hard work that we're proud of. We talk about allowing ourselves to be examples to show others that they aren't alone, that they really can do this. We talk about the fact that you never know who your story is going to touch because vulnerability really is the antidote to shame. As always, we ask that if you like the content in this episode, you hit subscribe or follow and maybe consider sharing it with a friend so we can get this information out there. So we are here tonight with Derek, Liz, and Karina. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. I'm going to have everybody just introduce yourselves really quick. Derek, do you want to go first? Yeah, my name's Derek. In recovery, I've been sober almost three years. It'll be February 24th. I'll be three years. Been a long road here. It's been a good road. I've gone through prison. I've gone through trauma, abuse, homelessness. And um, yeah, here I am today, smiling. Life's good. I got my kids back. I've got a lot of good things happening in my life, and it's because of my path in recovery. So yeah, my name is Derek. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Thanks for being here. And we met Derek on Instagram. I will include his Instagram profile and information in our show notes. So you can find him there if you want to get to know him a little bit better. And then next we have Liz. Hi, thanks for having me on. My name's Liz. I am 41 years old. I had to think about that for a second. 321 days sober today. And I live in North Carolina and I, I work in marketing. I don't know if that matters. But. Sure. All right. Yeah. Cool. Everything matters. Everything matters. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here tonight. And then last but not least, we have Karina. Hi, guys. Thanks for letting me uh, come on tonight. I am Karina. I am of an age. Uh, <laughs> I live in uh, I live in Edmonton, Alberta, and this time around, I have been I am sober for six months and thirteen days, according to my my app, my my counter. Awesome, cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. So, to introduce our topic for tonight, I think a lot of people worry about telling others about their alcoholism and sobriety. I know everyone here has shared with at least some people, either in person or on social media. We've all tackled it in slightly different ways, but what's it like to tell people? What's it like to go public? What kind of responses have you received and what has been the outcome? Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about like what's been the outcome in my addiction, I'll say this, like I grew up Catholic, I grew up Italian, and there was a lot of shame around being uh, an addict or looking for help, like they didn't know what to do with me. So like when I first started getting sober, I was so, I was really scared because I wear my heart in my sleeve and I'm, I'm a gunslinger and it's either a really good thing in my life or it's a really bad thing. 
but it's been a really good thing when it comes to recovery now because like I go for it. But that early, that early on, because I was dealing out with so much mental health, I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. I didn't know how to cry. I didn't know how to like just say I love you to people or accept love. The last thing I wanted you to know that I was a recovering alcoholic drug addict that's been to prison homeless. So I, I, I hid it at first. Like I was finding my sober living and I would still tell people like, yeah, you know, my drinking days are over and I'm a normal person again. And it was scary at first until I got traction. And obviously nowadays like, I, I'm not shy about it at all, but it, it was really hard to kind of open up and start talking about uh, my life as an addict and as, as in recovery and the problems that I had because there was such a stigma against people that are in addiction and how we're, you know, not normal and we're not a part of society and we can't be helped. And we got, I got pushed aside a lot. So it's like, I felt like if I got sober or shared that, I would get judged for that at job interviews. I get judged for that at churches. I get judged for that in circles. Why can't you drink? So it was just scary because I just, my whole life, I just wanted to be normal, if that makes sense. Wanted to fit in. Yeah. And that, yeah. That's like the whole reason I drank was to fit in or, to deal with all that unmanageability in my life, all that trauma, hurt, mental health, it, it quieted it for a little bit. But it was just a Band-Aid. I wasn't healing anything. It just gave you a hole to put it in, that's all. Yeah. Eventually it has to come out of that hole. I know what you mean by, you know, having to put it away. And then even, even, like even the fear of recovering out loud like you said i I like the word when you said traction like it you've kind of slowly build that confidence up you want to say it but you're not sure how it's gonna land yeah right you're just like i I wanna i I wanna scream this from the damn rooftop (laughs) i am an alcoholic and i'm fucking proud of it (laughs) like i am I, i i'm proud of it because of where i am today and what i've done to get to where I am today. And it's taken a lot of damn effort. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done, but it's also the most rewarding thing I've ever done. I was going to say for me, I'm finally, maybe for the first time, really proud of who I am. And so I want to share that with people and let them know why. And I'm proud of all of the work that I've done. I'm proud of who I've become. And I, when I, I mean, when I started out, I wasn't going to tell anybody. The first time I quit drinking, I didn't even tell my husband. And now I'm like, I'm really proud of this. And I'm really proud of, of what I've done. And I'm really angry that other people feel so much shame because of all the stigma. And I guess if any of us can talk about it, maybe it'll help change the stigma a little bit. I think I, I, some, I had to see someone do it before I could do it. Like I had to see someone find the courage to do that hard thing. And then, and then it's like, I can freaking do that. That is something I can do. That's something I can stand behind. That is me. I'm just quiet about it. Once I was shown, I could easily just stand in there. And that started like day, day one in sobriety. When I went to my first meeting, you can be sober. Mm-hmm. Like you can quit. It started right there. And the ripple effect of that just compounded. Yeah. You know, I just started a job this week and yesterday I had to do a five minute me presentation where I 
they had a slide and I had to put a bunch of pictures up on it and then present myself for five minutes. And one of the pictures was from when I went up to Niagara Falls to meet some people from, from sobriety. And I thought about it because, I mean, obviously sobriety is such an important part of my everyday now. And the people who I feel closest to at this point in my life are people I've met through sobriety. And so it's it almost seems like a waste to not talk about it. And I really thought long and hard about, do I want to say in front of, I guess it was like 50 people, like, hi, I'm sober. And, you know, this is my third day on the job. And, you know, ultimately I didn't end up saying it. And part of me is kicking myself for not having the courage to do that. And I, what I said to that picture was I enjoy traveling <laughs> and it just, <laughs> You know, and I do. That's true. It's not a lie, but it's it's also it wasn't the full truth. And that, that feels um, sad, you know, but it was that same thing about like, I don't know any of these people and I don't want them to judge me for yeah. that, even though I don't feel like it's anything to be ashamed of, which and I guess sounds kind of hypocritical in a way for me to say, I don't think it's something to be ashamed of. And yet I didn't talk about it, but yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping that it's something that as they get to know me a little bit better that I can speak to because I think it's just struggling between, um, you know, I'm the type of person who tends to just like put my whole life out there immediately and then trying to figure out like where is it safe to do that and where is it not safe to do that. So, yeah, I think, you know, you said you kind of regretted not saying something. And I think the longer we're sober, and the better we get at being our authentic selves, when we aren't, we're like, ooh, that was kind of uncomfortable. I wish I would have just been a little more real. <laughs> hmm. Yep. Oh, I was just going to say for me, so I'm a school teacher. So that's not something I will, you know, announce to my class, my students necessarily, because they're not of drinking age. and It's not there. It's not really appropriate in that setting. However, what I did was on my six month anniversary is I made a post on social media on my Facebook page, which announced my six month sobriety. And on my page, I am with former principals, mentors, students, like former students, you know, friends and former bosses, etc. And so out there like I just thought you know I want to be accountable so I want I want people to to know what what I'm doing but also if they want someone to talk to so that the you know so that that was my outreach to them I haven't received anybody saying hey listen I I really want to get sober now how can I you know how can I sign up and drink this Kool-Aid but I did have a lot of people come out of the woodwork to say, you know what, I made the same decision 20 years ago, or I made that decision as well, or a member did. And it's, it's been a life changing decision. My story is a little different in terms of being a functioning alcoholic or drinker. And we all know, so some of us use the term alcoholic and some of us use alcohol use disorder. And that's obviously a broad spectrum. But even people, I think even people who uh, necessarily call them or who don't necessarily abuse alcohol can still fit within that spectrum because they are the children of alcoholics or they have their or they have partners that are alcoholics. And it still changes 
your your life. It changes how you 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 navigate your world, and and you know it is a disorder, right? It causes disordered thinking and dysfunction. And for me, you know, being in a culture where drinking alcohol is so accepted, there are people who probably drink more than I do, or who are more functioning than I am, and yet that stigma. You know, we talk about the stigma. They don't see it as a problem necessarily, even though the same things that forced me to quit are what made me realize that I had a problem. So I just think it's an interesting point in our our society, in our culture, where alcohol is so venerated and celebrated, and yet it's causing so much destruction and so much heartache. So anyways, I put it up on Facebook. And you know, I hope to do do it more often, and to be that that mentor to to people who who would want to reach out and and maybe consider it sobriety for themselves. Brave, isn't it, Liz? When you talked about work, that's that's where the fear sat with the, me the most. I had conversations with my parents. I've had conversations with friends, and when I went and I hit post a little bit of my story on Facebook. The worry for me, the fear for me when I hit that wasn't family and friends. It was all work related. All of it. That's where that fear was. Is what were they going to say at work? Where, where I wonder what that rumor mill would be like. I wonder you know, it's it's a place that has a lot of rumors and a lot of things that people a lot, say a lot of things behind each other's backs right? How is that going to affect my life? And I just, you know what? I was like, I have to accept this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to co-host a podcast. I can't hide behind this for too much longer. It's just <laughs> not going to happen, right? Like I just can't hide it. So I might as well stand in front of it and let, let it be what it's going to be. I haven't had anybody really say anything to me at all. And they know, and that's fine. That's fair. I just, I'm, it is not what I thought it was going to be any time. I have shared a bit of my story, my whole story, to anyone outside of this circle of people, the circle of alcoholics, or however you want to, whatever you want to call yourself, it doesn't really matter. Anyone, anyone I've shared it with, the story that I've told myself about how that was going to go has been wrong every time. Hmm. Steve, you and I talked about this before. What was interesting, what you found interesting, what I found interesting is in that public explanation. Hey, I've struggled with alcohol. I'm six months over. I'm, you know, a year sober, whatever. Uh, the people who responded, it was interesting. But what was more interesting to me was who wasn't liking or giving me the thumbs up for support. People who would like other support other parts of my posts or other parts of my life and, and drinking coworkers who still imbibe friends who are probably don't realize yet their own uh, struggle with alcohol or they do. And they're, they're questioning, or maybe, maybe they're sober curious is a new term that's being used. Yeah. It was very interesting. Who's not bored with it and who thinks I'm making a big deal out of nothing. And that I, it's not that bad, you know? Your drinking wasn't that bad. 
<laughs> and it's like for me to get to the point where I had to quit, my, my drinking was that bad. My drinking wasn't that bad when you see me. Right? Huh? It's when you couldn't see me. So <laughs> you, you went back to what you said, said about uh, seeing someone else do this. And I, I guess, guess this is the biggest reason I recover a lot because I remember those days when I felt so alone, that I felt so uniquely broken that there was no fix for me. So, like, the first part for me was not seeing another way to do it. I needed another man to tell me, or even women when I was in groups to open up and share that they were broken too. And then I heard parts of myself in that. Mm -hmm. So like, that's what first made me go, okay, this person's just like me. I just heard them talk about, you know, drinking or meth use or addiction and they're having the same problems I am. And then when I started rolling, I wasn't alone. And then they gave me these answers. I said, okay, I can take this step. And like, as I got, as I've gotten better at recovery, I'm just built for, like I said, I work in recovery. So it's easy to talk about at my job. I've realized how important it is for people to hear that they're not alone. So like, I mean, I probably post something one a day on Instagram, Facebook, talking about my time in prison, talking about my trauma, talking about how I grew up in a family where we sarcastically beat each other up and we didn't tell each other we loved each other and how, how much that stuff caused me to drink, how much my, un, my unhealthy behaviors that were taught by my parents and that wasn't their fault. They were just taught that they were taught the same thing. And so now I'm breaking the chains. But then I realized like I've been given this gift because there's no reason I should be here today. There's no reason other than it's a miracle or divine intervention because the many times that I've drank myself to death or put a needle in my arm or been arrested and sent back to prison or homeless on the streets at 18 degrees, there's no reason I should be here, but there should be a way out. So saying that stuff like me talking about trauma work or emotions like i love talking about alcohol and drugs but i want to remind people that that's not our problem i want to remind them that that's our solution that's the thing that we use to deal and cope with life so like for yeah. recovery i like so important to me is because if again if i can sit there and say you know i've come from prison i've come from homelessness i've come from mental health trauma abuse then there's a way out and let's find these answers. So it's always like, hey, here's the worst parts of me, but I promise life is going to be better. And these worst parts of you at some point will become their your biggest strengths. They will become part of you that are a positive thing because you can't help people. You can teach your kids that you have growing up. If you're in a family, hey, these are the things I learned. Let me teach you the right ways. Let me show you the right ways because I heal from them. That's why it's so important mm -hmm. that I want to because I got two kids myself. My family's full of addicts. They struggle, and I'm breaking the chains. But you don't break the chains by being silent. You don't break the chains without stepping into it. And that, that is very scary because there's a lot of times I get people that call me things, how dare you do this, how dare you do that, and say, so I don't think about that one person that had this mean thing to say. I think about the two, 300 people that reached out and go, hey, that just changed my day. Hey, where can I go to get resources to talk about going IOP or women's groups or men's groups? That's why I do it. There's always going to be people that are going to be against you, but it's about, it's about that person that you remember being and offering them the, that hand out of the dark. That's, that's why I do. And I love it. Like it's no one's ever going to talk me back from that, but I, I remember that people are sick and we just use drugs and alcohol to deal with it. And then I'm reminded that everybody's dealing with something 
and this could give them answers coming out of their darkness. So that that's right, like the biggest reasons I would cover out loud. Yeah, I posted on our Instagram page actually the first like really vulnerable post that I've put just out there for the whole world to see. I've posted little things here and there in groups, but it was pretty real. It was about like self-hatred and like trying to turn that into self-love and kind of the dark place that I started out. And that was kind of scary to put that out there for the whole world to have and and for them to do whatever they want to do with it. And it's right there next to my picture, which to me was, I mean, I'm on a podcast, like I'm not hiding, but at the same time, I'm like, here's my picture and here's a really dark bit of my story. And like, that was kind of squirmy for me to hit post on that. But, you know, I've gotten a fair bit of feedback from those words and that's the stuff people need to hear. It's not just the I'm an alcoholic and I'm in recovery and my life is great now. They need the vulnerable part. That's what the Mm. people who are really struggling or who really feel that alone or feel like their situation is so impossible. They need our dark stories and our vulnerability. And that's, I think, what really gives people hope. It's recovering out loud, I think, is a lot more than just you know, here's me and here's, here's my picture and I'm recovering. It's, it's really sharing the work that we're doing and that can be scary. No, so I was just going to say vulnerability used to be the biggest weakness for me. And now that the guys mm-hmm. I coach is like you getting vulnerable will become your biggest strength. Being able to show your emotions in a healthy way will not be a weakness. That'll be one of your greatest strengths and a power that you'll never know. Cause it's, the coolest feeling to cry in front of a guy and then tell him you love him and need it <laughs> and just know how that feels because, and this is for men and women, we both just shut ourselves off as alcoholics and addicts, we bury it and sooner than we blow up. So vulnerability is definitely strength. With what you guys both said with the vulnerability, sharing a reflection of yourself so someone else can see theirs. Yeah. Sometimes we hide things so deep that we don't want to see it until someone decides to show you that piece of yourself in their own story. And that's what opens up that conversation. That's what opens up those tears, those floodgates, right, Derek? You know what I'm talking about. And it's when that door opened, you just gave somebody a chance to heal. And when you give somebody a chance to heal like that, it's an incredible what you get to see in return. Mm -hmm. A life changes in front of your eyes every time that happens. That little piece of vulnerability, that little, when you break down into tears, (laughs) done it in front of basically all, all of you, except for you, Derek. And it's a wonderful thing to experience life in color like I do now. It just is. I'll take the feelings because I'll take the highs and I'll take the lows and everything in between. It's a lot better than feeling nothing. Or trying to. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's the piece that hits home for me. Because I remember those early days when I was still trying to hide, wear all the masks, tell everyone I was okay. I was passive aggressive, sarcastic, had the biggest smile on my face. But on the inside, I'm just screaming. And it was, it was someone else. When I finally said, hey, like, 
I did this. Like, this is what I'm doing. And the guy goes, you know what? I've done the same thing. And that light bulb went off of me and I looked at him. I'm like, what do you mean you did the same thing? And that, that feeling of not alone and my shame was huge. You know, it started to let go of shame so I could go, okay, well, tell me more. Because if I'm not alone and you're doing this well at 12 years sober, <laughs> I might listen to you, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Julie, I, I read your, your Instagram post, and what's funny is that listening to you talk about it just now, it didn't even occur to me that you were being so vulnerable and putting yourself out there in such a big way because I know you from you know inside an app that some of us know each other from where people, not always, but you know a fair amount of us do post pretty vulnerably. And that's how, you know, with Steve and Julie, particularly in my early days of sobriety, they were so vulnerable and authentic and open and talking about the really hard, ugly things that a lot of us try to hide. And that is, that's how I healed was, was seeing that in other people and realizing that the things that I was so deeply ashamed of other people were going through too and that you know just not being alone in it and so i mean yeah it's y'all and i mean everybody everybody in this community you've touched me deeply and helped me on my journey and yeah i mean it's it's i think it's really commendable that you're now putting it out there in a very public way and derek you too you're you're recovering out loud in a big way and that's just incredible you know because you don't i mean like you don't even know the people you're touching. So they might not be commenting. They might not be liking, they might, might not, you know, and same thing with you, Karina, with the, um, the Facebook post, like for the people who didn't respond, I wonder if there were people out there who still read it and it still made an impact. So just, you know, kudos to y'all for doing that. I think we always say, and I mean, it's even in like our intro vulnerability is the antidote to shame. And when I started this, whole journey shame was the entire theme of it all i was so completely ashamed of who i was there was no way yeah i mean that's there was no way i was gonna let anybody see any of this and it's a complete flip now i'm like podcasting about it but that really just that gets rid of all the shame there's no shame left when you put all of your your vulnerable stuff out there. You're met with a ton of acceptance and a ton of love. And it makes all that shame go away completely. I've received so much kindness and encouragement and empathy from people mm-hmm. for being as vulnerable as I have been that one or two remarks that are toward the negative really aren't going to affect me anymore. Well, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe but they're not gonna that, they're not that gonna one guy, that one guy will say something and i gotta call my sponsor i'm like this guy totally gave me one that i'm not sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right so i'm in my ego right now but that guy really hurt yep. my sponsors was like how many likes yeah. do you have how many good comments i'm like there's like 100 200 because why do yeah. you want to focus on the one dude i'm like you're right my bad sorry i didn't mean to that cut is you true <laughs> no that's, that's the, a really that's the good shame point. You're about. that's the shame i've lived in my whole life I could get 200 yeah. people yeah. tell me I did a great job yeah. and I could have had my dad saying, Hey, this is where you could have done better. Yeah. And I'm going to listen to my father, you know, yep. because that's yeah. just how I was raised. So it's like that critical part 
okay, how can I be perfect? Like, we're such perfectionists. I'm a yes man. So let me make, if I can make you happy, then maybe I can be happy. I need to convince you. And being able to let go of that finally in my life and understand that I'm not going to make everyone happy. Not everyone's going to like my style. Not everyone's going to say, high five, Derek, you're doing great. I mean, that's not what it's about. It's just about, you know, do I enjoy it first? Is it, am I okay with it? Is it good yeah. for my self care? Mm-hmm. Cause not everyone needs to recover out loud. I want to say that like some people are just happy to get their families back and they go about their lives. You hear people like you need to recover out loud. No, I just want you to be happy with your life. I'm just built to do it. So I have mm-hmm. joy in it. But the second is, is like this past week, I had a lady call me from the hospital on Facebook that I've never met. And she goes, you're the only person I felt like I could talk to because I relapsed. I'm in the hospital. and wasn't going to shame you or, or do that. And I spent like 15 minutes on the phone with her just saying, you know, it's okay. Relapse isn't a mess up. You don't lose all that. Like we'll take another step. We'll get you some help. And that's what that's about. Like that's the cool stuff because when we go into that shameful place, we want to isolate. We, we feel like we're alone. And most of the time people said, why can't you stop? Why can't you move forward? Why can't you do it for your family? You know, and I did like, that wasn't going to work for me. I needed someone to say, Hey, let's get up and try and take another step. I'm with you. So that's cool stuff. How that stuff happens like that. You start to just stand yeah. in your truth, your own truth and being authentic to yourself. And you know, there, there is a broad range of profiles of what, what, a, what an addict looks like, what, it, what somebody in recovery looks like. And for me to be out there, out loud, you know, like there are other high functioning alcoholics who don't think they have a problem or are questioning whether they have a problem. And that, you know, the, because cause it is so accepted, you know, like I cannot tell you how many not retreats, but like after work drinks, you know, that, that end up with people driving drunk or being wasted or, or the parties or even past the parties drinking home alone. And, and yet the front that they present, <laughs> the professional front that they present and, and that shame, like I do drink too much, but I am a lawyer. I am a doctor. I am a teacher. I am a professional. And so for me to do it out loud, I would love for, for other people to see, well, first of all, to understand, like, you know, there, there is that, that fine line between being a heavy drinker and being an addict. And I don't think that that line is expressed enough. And then to be in recovery, because I fucking struggle, like, it's hard not to drink, even though... I'm, you know, I, I, I still maintain my job. I still maintain my profile in society, my status. I still struggle. You know, I have this, I have struggles. And so for me to be out loud and to, to hopefully, like you say, to be vulnerable, you know, like I would like to see more people feel brave enough to take that step to, to say, I, I am an alcoholic and I also I need to, I need to stop because I'm spinning out of control. Yeah. And we never know who our story is going to touch. Even just Mm -hmm. a one-on-one conversation with somebody, you never know who's going to hear what they need to hear. I mean, going public doesn't have to be posting your picture and your deepest, darkest secrets on Instagram. 
but you know, it can be an honest conversation with a friend and you never know how that's going to touch that person. I yeah. think even just having the courage to do that, it, it really says a lot. Well, I, when mm-hmm. you bring that up like that, that's like the, the gentleman I live with, I won't say his name, but he's a total normie. He doesn't have a drinking problem. You know, he's got his life together. He's, you know, makes good money, stuff like that. He reached, he reached out to me recently and we've been living together for like eight months and he's always watching my stuff, but he doesn't really like it. You know, he just, I can always see his little, you know, you can see people's pictures on there and who view your stories and stuff. Well, he, I mean, he reached out and he goes, Hey man, like, I can't tell you how much your stories and how you speak up about vulnerability and talking about what you do. It's making me think that I need help too. And he's, he's going to go and get help, but we're sitting down Monday night to have dinner and that's what I mean. Like you don't even like, that's what I'm saying. Like us being addicts and alcoholics it is not the problem. That's just something that gave us a solution to people that the whole world needs this stuff because the whole world's broken in certain ways and we, we just, just all have different ways of dealing with it. So that's just another cool, cool way to share my story. Yeah. That has nothing aligned with his. He's never been to prison. He's never been homeless. He's taking care of his bills, paid his taxes. Everything looks all right. But really on the inside, he has some questions going on about, you know, things he needs to deal with. And that that's what's cool is like you said, Liz, is you don't know who this is touching. Even if they like your posts or don't like your posts, like it's hitting someone in the chest and making them start to think that they can change too. Yeah. If we never talk about it, we never give it an opportunity to go away. We never give it an opportunity to help someone else. Right? Like we talked about recovering out loud and one of the big things that we talked about here is stepping inside of our shame so we can share what we've been shown if anything that is basically the key to this whole thing and it's beautiful when you do give yourself and somebody else a chance to see a little bit of you so maybe they can see a little bit of themselves even somebody that's not an alcoholic i just want to say thank you guys for coming on the podcast, sharing your stories of recovering out loud. Uh, Really appreciate your time. Thank you guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We'd also like to thank our listeners for sharing space with us. Remember to subscribe or follow to keep getting new content. And if you have any comments or topic suggestions, email us at throughtheglassrecovery at gmail.com. We'll see you next time as we continue to explore life on the other side of alcohol.